On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I will dive into college football playoff rankings and Rufus's now defunct and dysfunctional now cast, which he's already given up on after one season. Uh, we'll also talk a lot about sort of uh, NFL and evaluating quarterbacks. Um, it's a pretty nuanced, interesting conversation, in my opinion. It may not be to you. And then we give lots of picks this week. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another edition of the Bet the Process podcast where I, Jeff Ma, talk to a dog, Rufus Peabody, or Rufus P. Firefly, as Tony Kornheiser calls you each week. I was 4-1 and one again on the TK show. I think which brings my record to something like 27 and 19 and one. Which begs the question, why don't you give out those picks on about the process? Well, so the college picks are just yours. So you give them out. You're allowed to give out college picks too. I know I gave oh. out Minnesota. I gave out Minnesota and uh, Alabama, sorry, and LSU last week, which were very solid picks. Did you parlay the money lines? That would have been outstanding. Seriously. That would have been really fun. I was just thinking about it, obviously, after the fact, when they both won, um, how fun it would have been to have a, a money line parlay on those two te- two games. Well, I mean, and they're the marquee games of the weekend, too. So it Yeah, was, no, I'm just, I'm just, it would have been fun. You know, I was watching those games and not flipping back and forth between all the games I had bets on, which is unusual. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to watch a lot of LSU game. I had to go to like a dinner party afterwards and I showed up at the dinner party and I was like, uh, do you guys mind if I put on the end of a football game? I was that guy. Um, so I'm comfortable being that guy. I mean, it's LSU Bama. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. So what, what surprised you? Uh, before we jump into the playoff stuff, we might as well just review game grades because I assume that there's some interesting stuff from last week, right? I'll, I'll pull those. I'll put those bad boys up. Uh, yeah, let's look here. I am going to look at last week and try to guess what were the big ga- big games. You never have any action now. It's sort of sad. I feel like I really. I feel like I've lost a lot of my degenerate status because I haven't even been betting on action. Were you? I mean, I, I saw last night. It was ten nothing in the Western Michigan game at halftime and the total for the game was 63 and a half. And, and by the way, I can totally hear your gardeners, but it, it, right. it adds, it adds to the podcast anyway. Yeah, um, some legitimacy. No, no but that, but so there were like a gazillion million points scored in the second half and it went over and over time. So I was like, yeah, I bet a lot of people are not happy or very happy about that. Did you, you guys didn't have anything on that game? Nope. Second half? Nope. Nothing. Yeah, we didn't have anything, and then our our model wasn't okay. Let's look at who. What were, what were the game grades? Uh, Cole... okay, to, let's top top game grades. Let's. I mean, I think there's a lot to choose from. A yeah. lot of really really sterling performances by teams at the top. Um, Clemson. Clemson number one. Woohoo! I finally got one right. Uh, let's see here. 
Um, how about <laughs> did Army? Did Army show up in these game grades? Number they did. They're number twenty-three though. Oh well, I mean, everyone. You don't, you don't get a lot of credit for beating UMass, even if you blow them out. Uh, why is UMass so bad? They're they're like they're like ten points worse than any other team. Something like that. Have it's to pretty. It's pretty. Uh, let's see. My numbers. Um, yeah, they're actually nine points worse than the second worst team, which is Akron, obviously. Uh, Florida. No. Florida, number four. Okay. 56 nothing over Vandy. All right. Uh, Georgia's offense was bad, so I'm guessing they didn't show up that high. Number nine. Number but nine. they did shut out Missouri. I think that's their second or third shutout. It's at least their second, possibly their third shutout of the year, and they've ne- they haven't allowed more than 17 points all season. The problem is uh, college, it seems like it's just like the when you play good teams, your defense can't stop anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see, it seems like it happens in the college football playoff every year with Alabama. They can be absolutely dominating everybody in the SEC and nobody, nobody's scoring against them. And then suddenly they're playing against an Oklahoma or against a Clemson and you're giving up 30-something points. All right, give me the last. Oh, Ohio State, obviously. Number three. I mean, I can't believe you're, you're skipping LSU. Oh, well, right. I guess I got – and was they number two? They're number two, despite only winning by five points because obviously right. they beat Alabama. So, yeah, yeah, so Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, Florida. Number five is Washington with a 19-7 to win over Oregon State. Somehow that registered is really good. I didn't look at the stats. Um, Notre Dame over Duke. Number seven actually was Iowa State losing 42-41 to to Oklahoma. So. Hmm. What do yeah. you um, – what do you make? What would you make the Ohio State Michigan line to be if they played today? Where, where do you on neutral field? Or I mean, where is yeah, that going to uh, be? Where is it going to be? It's going to be. Do we know where it's going to be? I'm sure we know where it's going to be. Let's see here. Uh, we can maybe. I'll we'll plug see. it in the good old. Yeah, you look it up. Line maker. Well, I. Just got to give me a home team. Who, where was going to be the home team? I'm trying to find the schedule right now. Where is Oklahoma? Where is this? Um, I mean, is Ohio State this, this good? I can like, find it. I'm looking right now. I got it. Uh, it's at Michigan. At Michigan. Okay. Ohio State minus 10 and a half. Hmm. Someone was saying on Twitter that it would be their numbers had it like in the like 17 range that's pretty high so 10 and a half um interesting would you what do you think that'll be good which side would i take on that well no side right (laughs) yeah i love when people say hey i would make the line this and then i would bet it this way but did you see someone um someone tweeted out something about um you know what number would it take to bet Rutgers this week and they said you know i would take you know at plus 63 and the line is like Ohio State minus 52. So I'm like, well, you must be loving that. You must be all over Ohio State at minus 52 then. But it's, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know. It, it, to me, that comment like, oh, yeah, I would take, you know, the, the line getting up to plus 70 to, to bet it, you know. I mean, it's, it's kind of pointless because it's, I mean, what that implies is that you know, if you're not going to bet Ohio State, then at minus 52, then then you're just not very rational. 
that's what you think. Well, I mean, that's the whole point right. of point spread, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like people, people like that don't really bet don't understand that, right? Like they're, the notion that like, oh, that's this enormous number, right? Like it's 50, 52, 52 and a half is insane. <laughs> is, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty high. I mean, what at that point, it becomes... Your numbers make that line. Not that high. So you mind, do you have a play on Rutgers then? Um, I should. Okay. I mean, this, this isn't like giving away very much, so don't, um, don't, get, don't get all... No, we have, I actually haven't played it yet. I think that... Because... That, um, but... You think uh, it's going to go up? Rutgers is red. I don't know why. Did they, get, did they lose another quarterback? Maybe. Because they're red because they, they suck. I make it 44 and a half. I'm going to tease uh, Rutgers and Northwest. Uh, sorry, Rutgers and Mass, UMass. That's going to be my play this week. <laughs> no, you don't like that. Rutgers, I mean, uh, is Northwestern a huge dog? North- oh, yeah. Northwestern and Massachusetts, UMass. I mean, anybody. Northwestern, I didn't know they could score that many points. Oh, like, I can't do money. I was going to do, do a money line parlay on those two teams. <laughs> There's no money line, though. It's like, I mean, you see Kentucky lost as a 25-point favorite at home to Evansville, which was projected to be, like, number eight in the Missouri Valley Conference in college basketball yesterday. Number one, Kentucky. Yeah, but that's, that's – I mean, it's still the Missouri Valley Conference. Third – It's a reasonable conference. Right, but they're – Back half of the Missouri always Valley. Has, like, Kentucky has all these, like, these kids are, like, 18 years old or whatever, and they're, like, just started playing college basketball. So That's a good point. Each other. It's not, like, early on, it's not, uh, it doesn't surprise me when this shit happens in college basketball. I, I haven't run the numbers, obviously, on, on college basketball stuff, but I, I got to believe that early season there has to be a ton more variance. You don't know anything about college basketball, so stop uh, talking about it. I mean, I'm, I'm you barely even know anything about basketball, so stop talking. I was the I was the statistician for the TC Williams men's basketball team in 2003 <laughs> to 2004. It sounds about right. Uh, I know I know playoffs. what a, I know what a team dead ball rebound is. College football. For those of you guys who don't understand what Rufus is alluding to, he's been sending me play by play in basketball and having me help translate it for him. To <laughs> I just asked what how how could you possibly have a team dead ball rebound you know, these play after play a missed three pointer because don't make sense. That's why no, Ted don't. Knutson is trying to do what he's doing, right? He's trying to create a better play by play spec, an event spec for us all to learn and do analytics. Okay, should we um, should we get into the let's get let's let's stop dilly dallying and get into yeah, the, uh, the, the good meat, stuff. Right? This is the shit that we wanted to talk about. This is you know, this is like nowcast, the most exciting. So, what did your nowcast have as the as the uh, rank? I think my nowcast. I decided that my nowcast was broken after the first week, and so I didn't even post a nowcast. Wait, what? This is like <laughs> blood before. <laughs> well, it's it's, it's like more fun. Thing. It's more fun when you can do it well. <laughs> I mean, the the. I'll say in this case, like I could have made a much so better number. So you literally don't have an outcast. I do like, have it. I, I have an outcast here, and I actually made alternate you can versions. Run the outcast. What is? I, tell tell so me what it is. I had hold alternate on, versions on. for. Hold on. Stop for a second. So the the actual ratings, just so everyone knows, was LSU one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, Georgia four, Alabama five, Oregon six, Utah seven, University of Minnesota eight. Penn State nine and University of Oklahoma ten. Okay. What and and, and and where did in Baylor? Baylor was thirteen. Yeah. 
So the Nowcast, so first off, I have to say that if, if I've made it based on using every year that they've had the playoff system, so 2014 on, um, basically, what, you know, and I, I would still wait the season more, but if I do that, the numbers are so far off that, weren't, that it wasn't worth printing. I, I would have had, using that, I mean, this sort of shows how different the committee is treating uh, or how, how different this year's committee actually is. So that I would have had LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Baylor at number four, okay. which, which seems like way off, it does right? Not, it does not pass. Then, then Alabama, Minnesota, Penn State, Auburn, Georgia. But if I made it just based on last week, based, looking at um, the same things I don't really look at, so actual team strength, um, strength of record, surplus wins, um, something related to margin of victory and strength of schedule. You know, I would have had LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Penn State at number five, Auburn at six, Georgia seven, Oklahoma eight, Utah nine, Baylor 10. So Minnesota 11. So that doesn't really make that much sense okay. either. So basically, uh, but, but I think this is what, what, what's interesting here is that this sort of shows that this, I mean, that obviously it's no, very it hard to predict, but you're bad at this, like, this is not, it doesn't show anything. Like, let's just, th- I mean, did you see, I, mean, I don't want to talk about your rankings if they're like, just uh, ESPN had, um, Seth, or, um, no, um, Paul Sabin did a, uh, did something for ESPN for this too. And, and their numbers actually were, um, they, they seemed pretty sure i think they had georgia with like a four percent chance of being the number four team they had a prob they had probabilities of being in the top four and they had georgia at like three or four percent and i was like you know so okay point is point is it's point is it's hard but also the point is that Let's what the committee the wait the decision making what the committee is doing this year doesn't seem to make a lot of sense when looked let's, at as a whole that's what let's their criteria about, is let's talk about what they're doing then let's do it okay so i don't think anyone can argue with lsu at one right right lsu or ohio state and then clemson at three right those those three things make sense right yes very much so so the the the, the, the top three teams to the, the, the top three teams this year they're top, they're basically right at the top of the strength of record surplus wins yeah. so so georgia being four right versus bama doesn't seem to make sense to me, but maybe it's because Bama's played a weaker schedule than Georgia. Well, let, can we do a head-to-head comparison here? So sure. Alabama has, I have them at zero, at 0.98 surplus wins to 0.63 for Georgia. Strength of record, 0.35 to 0.47 for Georgia. Lower's better in that case. Um, current year ranking, four for Alabama, seven for Georgia. Strength of schedule, 36 for Alabama, 50 for Georgia. Each team has one loss. So I don't see an argument for Georgia ahead of Alabama, to be quite honest, in any statistical way. Well, the only thing is strength of record, right? They have a better. No, no, no. Alabama's got a better strength of record. So an average top 25 team um, would do as good or better as Alabama playing Alabama's schedule 35% of the time, where it'd be 47% for Georgia. We we just think that they did this because of the recent lo- recency of the loss. Yeah, I feel like they can't move Alabama. They have to like penalize them, and if Alabama stays in the same spot, it okay. looks bad. And then right? I, I literally think it that's what it was. And it then Oregon and Utah being the next two, you take issue with because you don't think that the Pac-12 is very good. Well, it isn't that. I mean, I think I think Utah and Oregon are better than Baylor, and they're better. You know, so 
there's that. But if you look at the resume, like, I mean, wins and losses are supposed to matter to some extent. Right. And, and so Baylor has a, you know, even Baylor's had a bunch of close wins, but their strength of record is still 18%, meaning an average top 25 team would be expected to do as good or as, or as good or better as Baylor playing Baylor schedule 18% of the time. So um, you can't really do better than undefeated, but so is good. Um, whereas Utah's are, 49%, Oregon about, 43%. Why are we talking about Baylor? Baylor's at 13. Do you think no. that they should be in the top 10? Yes, 100%. I don't, think, think, I don't think it's based on how good a team they are, so but think, I think based on their resume. Well, okay, fine. Do you think they should be – you're saying you should think they should be six? Um, yeah, I mean, it, they should be – I don't know, because I don't know what the criteria are supposed to be, but based on what we're seeing um, – in certain areas, they're valuing certain things, and okay, for certain so teams, they're valuing other things. It seems like they, they're. Let's it, take a step there's back. There's a big tw- a anti-Big Twelve bias. Let's take a step back. So, let's assume that we can create an objective function here, right? And that okay. objective function is that we are trying to say who, what teams have played the best season so far. Like, who's the most deserving to be the top four? In the Wait, world? deserving okay. or? So how do you measure deserving then? What, what does that's, best that's, mean? That's, that's what I'm going to say. So I think we, again, like if we go through this, we think LSU not having lost, Ohio State not having lost, and Clemson not having lost, they would be the top three most deserving. Can we say that also Baylor and Minnesota haven't lost also and are in Power 5 conferences? Okay, so, so, then, so then by that, we're saying that Minnesota and Baylor should be, essentially should be uh, four and five ahead of Georgia and Alabama. And they should be there until they lose. You think so? Um, I think if the objective function is who, like the the best, who who is the most deserving? Yeah, I think so. I agree because I think wins and losses should matter for this. It shouldn't just be, you know, if even I mean, if you're... I, don't, I just don't know how we can um, anoint an SEC team, how we can k- keep these SEC teams, SEC teams above these Power Five teams that are undefeated until they lose and they're going to lose. Right. So it's not, yeah. they, and, and any, and, and to have them at eight and 13 is, is pretty insulting. Um, I agree with you. So, so yeah, and, so I agree. And, and right. And then and, what and, about in Jeff in previous years, the thing is in previous years, the lowest and undefeated power five conference team ever was, was Miami. And they played like nobody to that point. This is a few well, so, years back. But this is like, this and is they were out- still a top 10. This is a little bit of an outlier, right? Because you had Minnesota, who wasn't really on anyone's radar coming into the season, and similar with Baylor. And so they are they are Power 5 conferences, but they are not teams that are traditionally good in those Power 5 conferences, right? Like if, if Michigan had played the exact same schedule that Minnesota had and had the exact same um, you know, record, I think they'd be in the top four, don't you? Yeah, I think so. And I do. If, if, which which uh, means if Oklahoma, that, if Oklahoma was nine and zero and using Baylor's schedule, they would probably be in the top four also, or the top five. I don't know. So I don't understand Oklahoma's rating either. They're they're number ten. Well, they, they have think, one loss, I and they are one of the I, best teams listen, in the country. No, I think you do understand that they lost to Kansas State in a game where they were at one point getting blown out, and they just barely beat Iowa State this week. In a game where at one point they were blowing Iowa State out, though. Right, but that's what, but that's what's happening, right? This is a, this is clearly a recency eye test, whatever, not an analytics thing. This is a 
Oklahoma is not perceived to not be playing very well. Well, Iowa State, I, Iowa State is not a bad team. Iowa State, I have them as the like just using this year, um, so that not without priors, they're, they're the number well, fourteen me, team in the country. You asked me what's happening, and that's what I think is happening, right? Right. So, but, so, so it seems like the Big Twelve is being penalized in general. But it doesn't matter, right? And to some respects, for Oklahoma, because if they win out, they are going to have a, a big opportunity to sort of, you know, improve people's perception of them. Will they? I mean, at this point, the are they so buried in the ratings right now that they don't have a chance to crawl out? And you know, my my, my well, model for actually predicting the playoff at the end of the season act doesn't really rely on what the what the uh, committee ratings are right now. It's sort of you know, it's based on. Well, I would I would say that they'll. I would say that you know we said that we talked about this last week. You thought they still had a legitimate chance to win to be in the playoffs, and that was because you thought they had a really you know, good chance to improve themselves. Um, they're going to get to play Baylor, right, at some point, even though ba- they don't have Baylor ranked very high. But – and then um, – okay, I guess the question is, how will they leapfrog any they, of these teams? They play Baylor this week. Okay, there you go. They're a 10-point yeah. road favorite. Right. So um, – Wait, back to – wait, back to uh, Oregon and Utah. Sorry, I, I, I got us off topic there. Um what did you think where, – where, where do you think of where they are rated or ranked, I should say? Well, I told – I think last week we talked about – I had this conversation with the guy that runs the Pac-12 um, championship game. And, you know, when he was telling me that, like, he just wants to make sure that the winner of that game has a chance to go to the national championship or the playoffs, I kind of, like, laughed. And then, you know, clearly now that they do, um, as long as they keep winning out. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's – again, like – it's somewhat inconsistent with the idea of ranking Minnesota and Baylor so low. Um, they're obviously not in the SEC, but I, I think I think the committee must think the Pac-12 is better than you do. Yeah, I think that's part of it for sure. So if that's the case, you know, then I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possible. I mean, they're one of those teams. It would be. I mean. It would be nice to have some new blood in, in the college football playoffs, I personally think. I mean, we, we have basically, like we talked about this before, you, you, at the beginning of the year, you can basically pencil in the top five teams or six teams. And it's, it's exciting to see like a Minnesota or a Baylor in this conversation. Now, I agree. I think they're, they're getting screwed by being so low in these rankings. And, and that's why like the NCAA generally just feels like the most corrupt, terrible organization there is. Can we agree on that? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I think the yeah. yeah I never the, have to do business with them because if they listen to this podcast, it's not going to go very well. So, yeah. should we go into what the playoff outlook is? What the playoff outlook is? Sure. So Cade posted something um, on the Massey Peabody Twitter, which I'm going to pull up. Where someone had aggregated the playoff predictions of. Um, the Massey Peabody, as well as ESPN and 538, which I guess are both ESPN, right? But I guess one of them is the ESPN FBI. Um, so it's interesting. And, and then the betting market numbers too. I don't know where that com- came from, but um, but it's so an interesting he, comparison there. So what was he doing? He was just trying to predict what, what it was going to be? No, no, no. So uh, we, he just tweeted out a picture uh, of our numbers basically next to the 538 ESPN and betting odds numbers, which someone had compiled into a chart. 
Um, so, which, which is, so for example, Massey Peabody has LSU with a 97% chance to make the playoff. Um, ESPN has them at 87% and 538 has them at 69%. The betting market number is 87%. So I'm more confident that LSU has locked up a spot or Massey Peabody is than, than anybody else out there. Um, because I think if at this point, um, if they lose in the SEC title game to presumably Georgia, they probably, you know, I think that they're still in. Well, then this is a boring, I mean, okay. So let's, let's just, let's do something a little bit more fun right now, which is let's try to project out what this is going to look like. Ooh. Okay. I like that idea. So you're saying that you almost definitely you, you think LSU is almost in for sure. Yeah. So I have them only a 65% to win the conference, but 97% to make it. So that says that if they can get in is a one loss SEC team, I think that they get, there's no way at this point, given that they beat Alabama, there's no way a one loss Alabama gets in over a one loss LSU. If neither. And I don't think, I don't, I don't see a world where one of LSU or Bama doesn't get in. Like if, if, if Georgia comes in and beats LSU for the SEC championship, I think both Georgia and LSU still go to the playoff. Okay. In but, that case, but the committee case, this year seems to be like on psychedelic drugs. So I'm not sure. Okay. So let's just, let's say that LSU, the easiest way to do this is the, is the win out scenario, right? Mm-hmm. LSU wins out, Ohio state wins out and Clemson wins out. Okay. Then those three teams are in. Who would the fourth team be then at that point? Because assumedly Georgia would be out then because they would have lost. Correct. So it will be between Bama, the winner of Oregon, Utah, and the winner of the Big 12, essentially, right? That's who it would be because you would, assu- you would assume that Minnesota would have lost to Ohio State in the Big 12 championship. Penn State would be out of it as a you know one-loss team. Um so you would have so then that's who who the so who would the fourteen be in that case? Let's assume that Oklahoma wins out, um, and you know, or or I don't even know if it matters if it's Oregon or Utah, but one of them wins out and has one loss. So it's basically would be three teams for one spot. Yeah, that's who right. Who would you think would get it in that case? I would think Alabama. Although there might be, what if LSU is the number one overall? Like, do they want to have a rematch of LSU-Bama? I feel like it's it's happened before, and but I think that there's there'd be a little bit of backlash there. I don't know if that. I mean, so this is so stupid, right? Because Bama's yeah. going to win out. And... Well, they still have to play Auburn, so that's they could conceivably lose that game. Yeah, all right, but let's just I mean Bama is most likely going to win out, right? They will be they will be decent favorites in that game against Georgia, right? I mean sorry against uh, Auburn, right? And, and theoretically Auburn's a good team and and, and so on a neutral field I have I have it as a 10 point spread. Um where who's hosting the game this year? I think it's in Alabama. No, it's at Auburn. So, so okay, be, so so that's that that's a, a t- approximately a touchdown. So mm-hmm. not a gimme by any means. Right. So, but but I think if Alabama wins, they they probably get the nod there. 
So if you're Oklahoma, you have to you have to hope Alabama loses to Auburn. You have to hope Georgia loses in again. You have to hope the Pac-12 champion is um, essentially. You're, I guess if it comes down to the Pac-12 championship, Pac-12 champion in, in Oklahoma, they have a chance, right? Yeah, I still. I mean, I still think Oklahoma should get the nod there. They've played you know, at least so far this year, um, they've played a more difficult schedule. Um, well, they've but been a better clearly, team. Clearly, but clearly, that doesn't clearly, matter at this point. Clearly, they don't agree with you, right? Or sorry, wait, wait. They've actually played a slightly worse schedule so far. Sorry about that. I was looking at, but at the, by the end of the season, they will have played a, a tougher schedule. They have the 18th toughest remaining schedule going forward. Utah's number 84 or uh, Oregon 65. So, Okay. Um, but you're right. The, the big 12 championship game, I mean, who will they be playing? Probably Baylor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, it'll be a rematch against Baylor. And so Baylor's not a, not a great team. And so they won't be able to improve themselves that much there. Right. The big 12 seems like it has a big pack of teams that are pretty good. You know, Texas, Kansas state, Iowa state, um, Baylor. And then, you know, but they don't have the, Unlike some of these other conferences, they don't have the anybody else that's like a legit good team, like legit very very good team. Huh. You know who number the, the number twenty five team in the rankings is? Um, Appalachian State. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. They knocked off South Carolina, who knocked off Georgia. Yet Georgia still had a Alabama. Doesn't make any sense. No, no. Okay, so. There's that. Uh, one last question. Can you tell me what you think a Ohio State Clemson uh, spread would be on neutral? Right now, um, I'd make it Ohio State minus a point and a half. Ooh. Actually, a point and a quarter. That would be – this is like shaving up to be very exciting. After I, after I just poo-pooed everything and just shot on this whole end of the season, it, it, it could be pretty fun. Yeah, you have four LSU in there and kind of pushing. And then this idea of like this last spot being somewhat heavily contested. See, this is the whole like argument now for an 18 playoff. All right. Can I make, is it that time of the year where I can we make a bracket? What? Are we going to make a bracket, an 18 bracket? I mean, an 18 bracket would be so exciting, right? This is this 14 bullshit is just bullshit. I'm I'm over this. I mean, yeah. Can we give some picks, Rufus, in college? Let's do it. What you what you what you looking at? Well, I'm gonna need to make sure these are updated lines, but I'm gonna give I you some line. of the good stuff. Okay. How did you do last week? Do you know? Um, overall, I did not do well. I went like zero and seven on the seven o'clock and later games. The picks I gave out did well, though. I think they, yeah, they went two account, and one. Like you know, the. Basically, from like seven o'clock on Saturday to Sunday at seven o'clock, it was sort of an abysmal <laughs> stretch of time. I had uh, I had a bunch of really bad beats on uh, in the early game second halves, and then fought back with the three thirty games. No, great. We, we were on the opposite sides of that TCU total. Yeah, that TCU total was miserable. Oh, that's really. And I had a chance on another one another game that I had an over that went to the second half that went to overtime, but they only scored three points in the second half. I think it was like uh, Boise state maybe. Yeah. Boise state. I had, Oh, I also had, I had, um, 
it was West Virginia, Texas tech game. I had Texas tech and West both teams had the ball inside the opponents, like five yard line, first and goal two different times. And, and I think there was a total of one field goal there, but anyway, West Virginia scored with five seconds to go to, uh, to lose my second at bat there. Okay. Okay. So, um, we're going to start with Oklahoma. Um, what, what do we have as a line there? Oklahoma. You want to you give me a give me a market price, Jeff? I'm I'm looking. It's minus ten. Minus ten. We're gonna take Oklahoma minus ten. Oh, I love it. My my price is or my my number minus thirteen and a half. So not a huge edge, but you know it's a marquee game, and so I like giving it the marquee game edges, and it stays on brand. <laughs> that brand being Oklahoma. Although right. the real brand is fading San Jose State, which isn't doing very well and being on. No, Army. I told you, Brett Brennan. You don't want to keep fading him. The problem is there's no Army game. You Brett Brennan. You don't have Brett Brennan uh, factor in your model. Who, who the hell's Brent Brennan? He's the coach. Ah, oh, is he related to Colt Brennan? Yeah, they're cousins. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So his brother Brad Brennan is a, is a good friend of mine, and his the, the, he. Brad played wide receiver at University of Arizona and then played professional football in Japan. If you didn't even know there was professional football. I did not football. know. <laughs> okay, um, more picks. What Can we quote a price on Notre Dame Navy? Uh, Notre Dame Navy, yeah. Uh, oh, that's dropped. We have you to have at least Navy. one academy game. It's, you must it's be on a patriotic. Navy. Were you on Navy? It's dropped? What does that mean? Oh. What's oh, that? the line has dropped. Yes. Ooh. Who are you on? I'm on Notre Dame. Yeah, our bearded friend is on Notre Dame also. I took Notre Dame at minus eight, so this is a rare occasion where I'm going to be giving out a pick at a better price than I got it at. But what, so. do, what do we know about that? Adverse selection. <laughs> hello, hello Maryland Temple. Adverse selection. Bias. But at this point, it's Wednesday. It's not Saturday. I think there is a difference. There's definitely a difference between Wednesday and Saturday. Thank you for really eliminating the conversation. <laughs> Saturday is like a really fun day. You usually like start drinking in the morning and watch football. Wednesday, you got to go to fucking work. So there's a big difference. Uh, what else? Anything else? Um, we'll give out one more. Sure. We're going to go with ooh, a letdown spot. We're going to go with – LSU. I mean, we're fading the letdown spot. LSU against Ole Miss. Oh, let total letdown. Minus twenty one. Total, total on the road. So if you believe, if you if if you're like me and you don't really believe that you can predict the letdown spots, then go for it. Hmm. In a way, I think the market thinks is believing in the letdown spot a bit. Right. Of course, that's why you have value on it. God, we we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Well, I, I mean. Do you really think that's the reason? Do you think that there's a lot of sharps saying this is letdown spot, or do you think that's more of a square narrative? I I think that the times that you see value in these situations, there is a, a narrative that drives that value, right? Yeah, I mean it could be. Okay, let's move on to the NFL. Um, so you want to talk about this uh, lack of um, intelligence <laughs> in the uh, the uh, Niners? Seahawks game oh yeah yeah I mean I thought coming down uh it it, to the wire at the end of overtime San Francisco got the ball San Francisco got the ball um at their own 20 something yard line 
with about, uh, it was like what, a minute and 40 seconds to go ish Mm -hmm. minute 33, maybe they had one timeout. Seattle had no timeouts. They could, I actually thought I said, you know, I said, maybe the, the, their best outcome might actually be to take three knees here. I mean, it's not their best outcome, but that's the sort of, you know, kind of risk averse move. But so it's, I, it's, I thought it wouldn't hard. be the worst thing ever to take three knees and take a tie and get out because so, okay, so they, they have a divi- they have a two game division lead. You're doing a really bad job at describing the narrative. Okay. The the, the, well, the, I the idea here is that a win is a, a tie is a win for them in this situation because they have um, you know a couple game lead already. And so a tie, you know, makes it so that essentially against their next competitors is, is actually very positive for them. Whereas a loss is bad and a win is needed for Seattle, right? So they could at that point have played very conservatively and essentially played for a tie, which was a win for them. I think in a way, both teams would be okay with the tie. Um, Seattle probably a little bit less so, but Seattle, it, it kind of helps solidify their position for a wild card. Right, but Seattle wasn't in a position to play for a tie at that point, right? Right, but here's the point. The, the so, point is that San Francisco should not have given the ball back to Seattle there regardless. They should have either – they should have had that be the last possession of the game and either scored or, um, or run the clock you, out. But how do you – How do you ensure that? You make sure that? that the play on first down involves – you make sure the clock continues to run after the play on first down. Well, if, I think that's the big thing. You have a timeout left. You can you so run a screen pass, run, run I, the ball. I can't kill these guys as much as everyone else does for a few reasons. One, I don't think – I don't even if it's the smart thing to do in this situation, I don't think you can play for a tie. You're an undefeated team. You know, but, you but, are – what? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not – you know, I was kind of joking about the three kneel downs, but you can – take an approach well, there where were people on Twitter that were killing them for this. And I'm not sure if I totally agree. I, I do think this is a, a time where optimal strategy may not ultimately be executable because of like what it, what it means. So are, are you thinking that Seattle was thinking that's what San Francisco was going to do so that they were gearing up to stop the run. And as a result, San Fran threw the ball down the field. Is that what you're saying? Because I don't. I'm not sure Seattle was on that level of thinking, given how, given their level of thinking on other things. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that I don't think if you're San Francisco that you can actually play not to lose in that situation or play for the tie. I think you have to try to play for the win, and playing for the win at that point means passing the ball. They unfortunately didn't execute and gave the ball away, and, and yes, it ended up being a bad outcome. But I, I can't think you can kill them. They're the best rush offense in football. They have a lot. They they have a they have Kyle Shanahan who is great with scheming, and I'm sure they could have had plays that are effective that are low probability of incomplete passes. Do you disagree with that? I mean, yeah, I think they could have. So why not do that? That doesn't. I, I would be okay with slight uh, you know, with decreasing your win probability just a little bit to decrease your loss probability a lot i think if you're even if even if both teams don't have any extra incentive to tie they still played it the wrong way all right well let's move on okay uh, i didn't think that was, I, that was less interesting than i thought it would be 
Well, so let's talk a little bit about you. You've made this point about Joe Burrow and uh, evaluating quarterbacks and friars. And your general gist is that all of a sudden Joe Burrow is become like a, someone that could be the number one overall pick. And um, he was obviously not even in the consideration going into the season. And so your point is, do you want to make your point? My point is that it seems like teams hold on to priors based on where a guy was drafted um, for too long. And, and they are very attached to these when in some cases, as, in, as will be the case with Joe Burrow, those priors are based on not a very large sample of data. Well, so I think Burrow, and, and the, what I think is interesting about this is is when what prior do you end up looking at, right? I.e., well, like Burrow was a high recruit, I believe, right? He was recruited by Ohio State and got beat out, and then went ended up going to LSU because he got beat out for that job. Um, I'm right, but there, there are a gazillion high recruits in college football, and most of the, at the quarterback position, and most of them don't turn into NFL prospects. So, but so he was he was still a fringe prospect going into this year. He was beaten out right, for the starting I'm saying, job. I'm saying at like Ohio State years ago, he wasn't a fringe prospect. He was a very high recruit, right? So, when what prior do you end up looking at? And it's like similar to how you think about evaluating talent and or your your player specific model in the NFL, right? You are looking at these priors that might indicate what talent level is, right? So. I think that the, there's two conversations here. One is like, I think people are very bad at evaluating players generally, like certainly really bad at evaluating quarterbacks, but generally bad at evaluating players. And that then you have a situation in the NFL where you make these financial commitments to players and you have to actually try to see if they're good and you have to give them every chance to succeed. So you introduce this whole concept of survivor bias um, where the only people that get to succeed are the people that end up getting drafted high. But I don't think there's – like you, you asked if there's like a big difference or a big um, – if there's a change in the NFL because like all of a sudden a lot of these, you know, backup quarterbacks are playing quite well, like a Kyle Allen. Um, and does that an indication that we're barely bad at evaluating quarterbacks? Well, I mean, all you have to remember is where Tom Brady was drafted to say that we're probably really bad at evaluating quarterbacks. The, the, what's interesting here, though, is, is Kyle Allen, first off, is the same age as Joe Burrow. He's 23. And by the way, Lamar Jackson's also 23. So Joe Burrow is having his breakout year. It, they're all the same age. But Kyle Allen, people are saying, oh, you know, he was an undrafted free agent, therefore he doesn't have this great potential. I think that's kind of the narrative here. It's like, well, you know, he could – maybe he'll be a serviceable quarterback, but he doesn't have, a, he doesn't have the potential to be, you know, a elite quarterback. Um, yet – Getting back to the whole recruiting thing, Kyle Allen was a five-star recruit who was the number seven recruit in 2014 in the country and the number You're one quarterback recruit in 2014. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm totally echoing it. I'm saying that – Yeah, but you poo-pooed it. You poo-pooed it in the Burrow case. <laughs> Wait, what did I poo-poo? Oh, the, the recruiting? The idea that, like, the priors that you look at, it's like your time frame and your priors, right? I mean, the, the idea – like, I agree with you. Kyle Allen was probably an elite talent. And, like, in the it's, – it's, again, it's like the Tom Brady situation, right? Tom Brady just happened to get beat out his last year at Michigan, and all of a sudden that's the thing that pushed him down. But he was certainly, you know, had talent and was someone that was recruited to come to Michigan, right? By the way, Joe, Joe Burrow was only a three-star recruit um, and only the 24 
number 24 quarterback recruit in the country in 2015. So actually okay, so Joe Burrow was not a high recruit. You have, I mean, you have the number one pick next year. Okay. You Rufus P Firefly are now the uh, GM of the Cincinnati Bengals. You are on the clock. Do you take Joe Burrow? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a talent no, evaluator, but I have a question, Jeff, I'm going to, I'm going to put that back in your face. I'm going to say, let's say Kyle Allen, you know, played this year for the Panthers and let's say he was somehow in bizarre world eligible for the NFL draft next year. It was a free, like, where would he go? Do we know that Kyle Allen, like, is this the Kyle Allen? Like we have the data for how the Panthers. Yes. We have the data, how we played this year. No, Where would he go in the NFL in the draft? draft? He gets a new – He gets. he's back in the draft as if he had never been in the NFL, but you know what he did in the NFL. He's the same age as Joe Burrow. Same age I'm as Joe Burrow. Time, I'm having a hard time imagining this test or this, this visualization. Who gets picked higher, Joe Burrow or Kyle Allen? Joe Burrow. Okay. Is Kyle Allen a first-round pick? After what we know of his performance, yes. Yet people are still sit- – yeah, which, which sort of shows – but I feel like people are still holding on to this idea of Kyle Allen as this undrafted free agent. It's hard. Which is what Joe Burrow likely would have been okay, if he'd so gone pro after last year. So, there, so. So, that's, so what you're saying is if you are back to being Rufus Peabody, who is now the GM of the Cincinnati Bengals, you would not draft Joe Burrow first, and you would probably look to get a quarterback – later on that is a sort of post-hype sleeper potentially a guy that was a five-star recruit and for whatever reason came into a a, a un, you know a situation in college where he didn't get to show his performance and maybe it will blossom later and maybe you'll look at his age and find someone that's actually graduating at age 21 or coming out early or whatever it is um you know what i'm saying like i would trade down that's what i would do well i think trading down would be a I think that's that would have been the right answer when I asked you, and you you could have said no. I would. I mean, my my point in asking you was I don't think I would draft Joe Burrow simply because um, I would be worried about you know what like the fact that you just called, told me is a three star recruit that would worry me, right? And the fact that that you add that to the fact that like he's had one year where he's like really shown. Um, you know, that would worry me. So, And it, in that one this, year, and Nick Saban said, what's the difference with Joe Burrow this year and last year? And he said, the system. So that's another complicating factor. How much is the system? How much is Joe Burrow, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, like you go back, Joe Burrow looked amazing against. Oh, of course. Let's we're, not, we're not, we're not knocking Joe Burrow. He has played really, really well this yeah, year. But, but the question but is. saying about hit. And I think it's it's a it's actually a very fascinating conversation about player evaluation because, like, if you even put this in the lens of the Baker Mayfield thing, right? Like, you had a situation where Baker Mayfield got drafted first. Everyone was like, "WTF? Like, what do they know?" And then last year he looked great at times, and people were like, "Oh, they knew this was this made sense." Like, oh, the Patriots were thinking like everyone the narrative, and now all of a sudden he's not particularly good. And should it surprise anyone at this point, right? Like, we we don't have we don't have very analytical minds when it comes to player evaluation. We have very emotional minds when it comes to it. And that leads us to be prone to a ton of biases like recency bias and, and that make us sort of have these snap judgments. And, and I think that's essentially what we're saying on, on all of this player evaluation, because, you know, like this is the, this is the argument we got into um, about like Dwayne Haskins, right. Early on where, where, you know, you were saying like, Oh, he's terrible. And, 
I was saying like, wow, I mean, it's, it's really, really early to say he's terrible, right? Like, but he only had one year as a starter. So once again, he was a guy where we don't have, I mean, we don't have a, we have a prior that he, cause he was a first round pick, but at the same time, we don't have a huge sample of actual data. He, he was very good when he did play, but he was also at a college where generally everybody's been pretty good there because he's surrounded by, well, I mean, talent. you could say the same thing about Kyler Murray, right? You totally could. And, Tyler Murray was a late bloomer, was supposed to play baseball, and then decided to play football when Cliff Kingsbury said, I'll make you the number one draft pick. Right, and you have – I mean, what's interesting is Oklahoma's had the last two Heisman Trophy winners, and they've both been dra- – a quarterback, and they've both been drafted first overall, and yet their offense this year is better than it's been either of those two years with Jalen Hurts. Well, the question – I think it'll be interesting to see where Jalen Hurts gets drafted because, you know – Do you think it, where Jalen Hurts gets drafted will be affected at all by – yeah, uh, Kyler do. Murray and Baker Mayfield and how they play in the I NFL. Do. I agree. I, do. It's, it's, and I think it should because it does – there is signal in that, right? It's how much does this sort of system translate? I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I don't know how much signal there is because there's so many confounding variables in something like that that, that you have no idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I agree, like, from a narrative standpoint, it seems like it would matter, but like I just have a hard time believing that you can extract out the you know any like how much can you really extract out from Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray's performance to what Jalen Hurts will be like in the NFL, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just think about that in like a in, in like a you know outside outside perspective. That seems like a kind of ludicrous thing to say. So, like I'm not drafting Jalen Hurts because Baker Mayfield sucked. <laughs> Well, because, because I think that a lot of his – what you're saying is because I think a lot of his success in college is a product of the system rather than him. Right, but, the, but yes. And I guess That's the question – what it comes down to. I mean, almost, like, almost like what we're getting to on this conversation is that um, evaluating success in college for quarterbacks is probably a bad idea <laughs> because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of – one, there's not a huge sample size for any of these guys. Like they don't – you know, you don't, you don't very, you very seldomly get like the four year, three year starters, right? But the four and, or three year starters are the ones, I think Football Outsiders did something predicting quarterback success. This is many years ago, but they found that completion percentage and number of starts are the best predictors, I believe, in college. So I think that right there is saying the number I mean, of starts. I mean, it, completion you know, percentage probably is accuracy, which I think makes sense. Um, Number of starts is probably just general. Like I guess you can it means say you have a stronger prior in a way. Well, you could you could. There's a lot of things, right? That it could be, it, right? But it means it means you could be really talented. It means you could have gotten tons of experience. It means you know whatever. So, but it probably means that you were good over a sustained period of time, not just one season. So it's not height. I would think it's height. It's not nice. weight. No, wait, it's arm strength. Are you, are you looking at John Elway's cheat sheet for drafting quarterbacks? Height, height. So wait, that was funny, so Rufus. Back to, uh, back to this year in, in quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence and Tua were the, considered the number one sort of shoe and number one draft picks the next two years, right? Yes. Do you think we have overreacted to their, I guess, I shouldn't say poor performance. They haven't played badly, but they just haven't lived up to the hype or slash other people. I worry. So I worry about Tua being like getting, having some real miles on him already. Like he has been injured and played through injuries. And 
I would worry if I were an NFL team about his, his durability. And I'm not saying that he's injury prone. I'm just saying he's, his body's already been through a lot. Yeah. That's worry about. And with Joe Burrow, I would worry about what we talked about. Like I think Trevor Lawrence, you have a situation where he's still so young, like all the physical things that people thought were, you know, like his physical makeup was one of the reasons that they were like so excited about him. Um, my guess is he'll be the number one pick next year, no matter what. Or in two years, rather. And Trevor Lawrence. I think yeah. so. He's young. He, he's not – he's, he's what, 19? He's young. He's no Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's 23. I think that's – I never – did you – can you Lamar imagine? Jackson is older than Joe Burrow. <laughs> You're such an ageist with poor Joe Burrow. Age should matter in evaluation, shouldn't it? Should matter, sure. I mean, because potential. A lot of you're not drafting a guy just based on who he is now. You're drafting him based on what he can become. Yeah. Uh, NFL. NFL. Um, I finally ran futures. Are we interested? If there's value, you know what's interesting is our friend Brian Mead from the Action Network um, said, "Hey, on your podcast, you guys should like." He was basically saying that last week was proof um, of what you've been saying, which is that the teams are bunched together and they're not. There isn't clearly like really good teams and really bad teams. What was proof of that? Last week's general performance around the NFL, where you had these big upsets and whatnot. Oh, I guess there were big upsets. I mean, Miami beat Indy, and you had. What you call it? Cincinnati did not get upset by the Ravens. Atlanta um, beating New Orleans, which was, as many people have remarked, the biggest upset of the season from a point spread perspective. But going into the season, you wouldn't have thought that would have been no, not at all. I mean, and that's like that's like the interesting thing, right? That's I liked Atlanta in that game, um, um, and that's one of the things that like you look at it and you're like, an NFL season is a small sample size even like you know halfway through it's a small sample size okay yeah and, and atlanta atlanta i've been saying it like they have talent you know my player model always loves them and will continue to love them because they have great wide receivers although they don't anymore because they, they have a great quarterback anywho they still they have a 0.1 percent chance to make the playoffs austin hooper is he's the tight end the number he's one fantasy team. tight end of the in, you he's know of the year awesome. He's out this week. I, I have Austin he, Hooper on a lot of league, a lot of teams, so it's kind of sad. I'm gonna have to re- like get the dregs of of uh, tight ends this week. Okay, futures, Rufus, give futures. us futures. Okay, um, do you have? Are you looking at this? Yeah, no, you I am. I'm looking at the numbers. Do you have access to my numbers? No, no, I'm looking at the 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 actual market prices. Ah, uh, okay. So, where where do we want to start here? Um, to win the NFL, what we in the business call the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl futures. Yes. So do you want to go through some teams just, that you think? Just go top Just go top 10. Read them off to me. The top 10 most likely to win? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Patriots number one. At what? At plus 297. Ooh, so plus 300, there's value. Wow. Crazy. Um, number two will be the... Let me make sure this is win Super Bowl, not make Super Bowl. It is win Super Bowl. Um, we have the Ravens at plus 456. The Saints at plus 566. And I don't have it sorted, by the way. That's why I'm um, – 49ers plus 1253. 
and oh, Texans at plus sixteen hundred. That's that's sort of my top. Um, Chiefs are twenty two to one. Seahawks are seventeen to one. Vikings nineteen to one. I only have the Packers thirty two to one. Yeah, so you have there's value um, on a lot of those, like small value on a lot of those. There's six, the Saints are plus six ten, the Ravens are plus five eighty five. I, I think um, the the big thing here is that the AFC is much much weaker than the NFC as a whole. So New right. England, New England right now is um, their chances of a buy are over ninety percent. The Ravens are. Um, two-thirds chance, a little more than two-thirds, actually um, 69% to, to get a first-round buy as well. And so they'll, it's going to be one of those two teams very likely coming out of the AFC where the NFC playoff picture is, is pretty muddy. You have a bunch of teams with really solid records right now. I mean, you're going to have a team like – I mean, Carolina's 5-4, and four and they're, they only have – I have them with a 13% chance to make the playoffs. That's it. Right. Um, very high. No, not high. I mean, you're going to – it's – San Fran and Seattle are definitely going to get in. Um, it, it, right, it, then I think if things stand the way they are, you'll have, let's say, uh, you have New Orleans. Let's say Green Bay wins the either Green Bay or Minnesota, um, and then either Philadelphia or Dallas. Those are the division winners. Uh, Seattle will get a wild card pretty certainly. I mean, they're, they're 86% to make the playoffs. And then you sort of have this, this bunch where it's either going to be one of, like, the Rams, the Panthers, the loser of – the, uh, either Packers or Minnesota, and then either Philly or Dallas. So there's going to be some, NFC some teams is, that are pretty good that don't get in. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of should we, good teams. Should we do realignment? In other words, should we, should we move Let's some of the NFC teams to the AFC? Where, yeah. I mean, should we just and, rank the top top 15, top 16 teams and play it out that way? Why don't, why don't we have a committee select the playoff teams? Maybe we should do that. How do you that feel about that? That seems like a novel concept. They should, did they do that in any other sports? Without, without any real criteria of what they're selecting based off. Yeah, just – I think just, it's great. Yeah, I think that's fun. But, I mean, if you look at the AFC, though, Jeff, like you have a team like Pittsburgh who started 0-4 and, and everybody thought they were or like they were done. And yeah. they're not a great – I mean, Mason Rudolph has not looked that great. Yet they're 60% Their to make the playoffs now. Their defense is surprisingly good. So. Their defense is good. Yeah, I mean – their defenses look good, so I mean, that's Buff- that's there's the rub there. Yeah, I mean, you, it's basically. I mean, you have you have Oakland is almost a coin flip to make it. Buffalo is a little better than a coin flip. I mean, these are not great teams. Yeah, I mean, whereas the equivalent, like they have the same chances as the Cowboys, actually slightly better. So, and I think the Cowboys are a team that I th- a lot of people think it. I think uh, has the potential to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. So okay. I want to make some NFL picks. Let's do it. So I'll go first and I'm gonna take the Ravens minus four against the Texans. Good pick, good pick. Boom, there goes the dynamite. How about you? I'm gonna take the Falcons plus five and a half against Ooh. Kyle Allen and Ooh. the Panthers. People think even with no Austin Pooper? Even with no you know, I'm not factoring in maybe the play, player model will be get a downgrade. So then, uh, I'm going to take the Eagles plus the three and a half against the Patriots, sadly. Huh? I'm going to take the Oakland Raiders minus 10 and a half against the Bengals. It's only- I've, I've gone from like, I've gone from pro Bengals to anti Bengals 
in a hurry. Like, just, just, just due to Andy Dalton not being the quarterback. How, how in the – well, that's because your model loves mediocre quarterbacks. Kind of. But it also doesn't – it doesn't, it doesn't like – it doesn't like rookies that are not high-end draft picks. Oh, no. But that's counter to what we just talked about. It is. But, but also part of the reason for that is, is experience, though. I mean, I do think that a – How quickly does your model adjust to the fact that you now want to marry Kyle Allen? You know, um, did I just throw you for a loop? A little bit. Too hard to come back from that one. A little bit. Uh, I'm not going to give you a bonus pick, uh, and that bonus pick is going to be the Chicago Bears plus the six and a half against the Rams. Ooh, damn! I actually like that too. Good pick. Good pick, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks, Rufy. That's that is a good. I pick. actually liked the NFL this week. Which what does that mean? <laughs> it means I'm going to lose all three of those games. So I'll they... give a bonus pick too. Oh wow. Let's do it. Let me let me see if I can get. Uh, let me make, let me see where that line is right now. Suspenseful, very suspenseful. Uh, man, okay. Eh. I'll take the Saints minus five and a half. I liked it at five, but five and a half. It's still still small, small edge there um, against uh, against the Bucks. Yep. Two favorites for me Jameis. today. What's your over under on how many interceptions Jameis will throw? Two and a half. One. Uh, I'll take the over one. Okay, deal. Deal, deal, deal. Okay, well, uh, that's the Bet the Process podcast for this week, and we'll talk to you all again. Analytically driven, media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down, it seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of Reddit.